We do honor all you mamas. Thank y'all for being here today. And I want to honor Gwen today, sitting here with a broken arm that she didn't tell any of us about. Uh, Gwen, Gwen and Carol take care of keeping me and Kristen not looking too gray, if you know what I mean. And uh, she's been washing hair with one hand, and nobody knew about it. So, Gwen, shame on you. What would you have done if I'd have broken my arm and didn't tell anybody? You would have whipped me. That's what I thought. That's why we love Gwen. Yeah, we love him. There's a mama sitting near you. Just look at him and say, Happy Mama's Day. Yeah, no doubt. Glad you're here. Hey, I want you to uh, get your Bibles. Uh, we'll have it on the screens as well. And turn to 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 1. Before I do it, I want to ask, how many of you need a miracle in your life? Seven people. How about what y'all, everybody else just doing real good? Y'all good? How many need a miracle in your life? Raise your hand. All right, today I want to talk about learning from a mama how to get a miracle. How many of you know mamas are miracle workers? They are, right? We're going to talk about a mama that needed a miracle, and we're going to walk through a few steps, and I'm going to go quick because we dedicated babies. We've done a lot today, and so uh, they've taken some of my time, all right? So I'm going to go really fast. I'm going to need you to buckle up and get ready because I don't want to make y'all late for your Sunday brunch, okay? Don't want to miss Mama's special day, the day she didn't have to worry about it. We'll make sure she gets there in time. I do want to tell you, next week we're beginning a brand new series called Monumental. And we're going to be talking for the next six weeks about living and leaving a legacy. Living and leaving a legacy. How many of you want your life to last longer than you and be bigger than you? We're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks, about how you do that. And I'm really, really excited about that, going to have some guest speakers coming in. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun time over the, over the next little while. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. This is a great, a great story. And if you ever want to just have a fun read, just read through First and Second Kings and what went on with the kings and with the prophets and really amazing. This is one I want to pull out today because it talks about a mama. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out. So the group of prophets, uh, you, can, you can trace these back all the way to Samuel. And so what this meant, it was a group of men that dedicated themselves to the prophetic ministry. And they would be discipled by a prophet. So Samuel was one of those, uh, one of those guys that discipled them. Elijah was one. And now Elisha comes on the scene. And there's this group of prophets that they dedicate and commit their lives to the work of God, to hearing from God, and speaking the voice of God. Well, this is one of those men. He's passed away. And now his widow comes to Elisha and cries out. My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Elisha asked, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, she says, except a flask of olive oil. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask that you have into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her. 
and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, Mama, he said. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now, sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Miracles learned from a mama. So this lady, her husband has given his life to the work of God. I love the scripture says that she told Elisha, she said, you know, my husband served you well and he feared God. There's something powerful about people that know how to serve God in the house of God and have a love and a reverence and a fear from God. I will tell you this, if you want to go a long way in life, just get those two things figured out. Serve God in the house of God. Get committed in his house. And number two, have a reverence for God. Fear God. Respect God. Love God. And see what happens when she shows up. Because she didn't show up bitter. She could have. She could have showed up and said, My husband gave everything he had to the work of God. And now he's gone. And we ain't got nothing. And I'm bitter about it. Didn't say that. Didn't blame it on God or blame it on God's work or blame it on God's house. She just showed up and said, hey, here's the facts. And I love. Right away, Elisha says to her, well, what can I do for you? There's something about people that have a heart of serving and they have a heart that reverences God that just gets God attention. Just makes God wonder, what can I do for you? What do you need now? How can I help you? What can I be? How can I be a part of your life? And so she shows up and she says, everything that I have is now gone. They came and they repossessed the car. They came in and took away the HD, the flat screen. It's gone. It was a curved one too, one of them new curved ones. They took that thing, it's gone. Hauled off all the furniture we've been sleeping on. And you know, I was good with that. But I heard, I got an email that says they're coming to get my boys. How many know about mamas? You can take everything, you mess with them babies. Like a grizzly bear. Let's go. We will go right now. She says, they're getting ready to take my boys and we can't have that. And so I need you to step up and help me. So Elisha asked her two questions. The first one is, what can I do for you? And the second question is, what do you have in your house? Now, when you really look at that, it kind of sounds crazy. She just came and told him she doesn't have anything. And the first question he says is, What do you have in your house? So three steps to having a miracle in your life. For those that raised your hand. For those that didn't, I'm still going to freely give you three steps to having a miracle in your life. Miracles learned from a mama. Number one, how do I get a miracle in my life? Start with what you have. What do you have in your house? What do you have? I think when we think about a miracle, most of the time we think about heavens open up. Angels coming down, right? Just stuff appearing, people raising from the dead, all this stuff. First thing he says, what do you have in your house? Many times, God will use what we already have to help us get what we need. We will say, I need this in my life, and he will say, let's start with where you are, with what you have, and who is in your life. 
One of my favorite examples of this is Moses. You know the story of Moses. Moses was running for his life. He was supposed to be uh, the leader of Israel. He was supposed to deliver them. That's what, that's what was spoken over his life and makes a mistake acts out of haste, and has to run for his life. So now he's on the backside of some desert somewhere taking care of somebody else's sheep. And suddenly, as he's tending the sheep, a burning bush appears, and God speaks to him and begins to tell him, you're going to deliver my people. This is what I've called you to do. And Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1 says this, Moses protested, and he said, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you. And then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, a shepherd's staff. And God says, I want you to take what's in your hand and I want you to throw it on the ground and watch what happens. And God began to perform miracles right there in front of his eyes with the thing he had been holding in his hand the whole time. Now, let's go, let's go years later. The plagues have already happened. Moses has used that staff several times, things that have happened, and, and, and God has used him to perform miracles and signs and wonders. And now God's people are coming out of Egypt. They're heading to the promised land. Everybody say, the promised land. Everybody say, yeah, see, the promised land, heading to the promised land. But in between the promised land and Egypt is this big honking Red Sea. And the scripture says that they've, God's performed miracles, got them out of Egypt, and now they're standing facing the Red Sea, and the people that were celebrating Moses now are saying, you brought us out here to die. Now we're going to have to, if we do go back, they're going to beat us worse, and we should have just stayed where we are. And the scripture says Moses walks up to that Red Sea, and he cries out to God. Anybody ever been in that place where you feel like, God! What am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I'm facing the greatest obstacle of my life. And I got them coming after me. I am stuck. What am I going to do? Check this out. I love God's got a little. Sometimes God's a little sarcastic. I love that about him. I like him. I like somebody's got a little snap to him. Don't you like that? Little, little dry. That's how God is. Look, Exodus chapter 14 and 15. Moses cries out to God. Listen to what God says. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving <laughs> and pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Moses, you're crying to me to help you and I've already given you what you need in your hand. You never know when God is going to use what he has already given you to perform the miracle in your life. The disciples said, Jesus, I don't know what we're going to do. They're all hungry. There's thousands of them. What are we going to do? Y'all got any food? Oh, we didn't think about that. But this little boy does. Well, see if that little boy would be willing to part with his food. What does he do? The little boy who brought a lunch for him takes that lunch, gives it to Jesus. And what was in that hand after it was given, broken, and blessed? Everybody say, given, broken, and blessed. Now, if he'd have held on to it, it would have just been food for him. That's it. But because he gave it away, was willing to have a generous heart, and trusted it with God. Trusted it when he gave it to Jesus. Because of that, that boy is a part of a miracle that we still talk about today. What if the miracle that we're praying for is in our lunch bag? What if the miracle that we're praying for is in our wallet? It's at your house. It's in your car. It's in your hand. 
What's in your house? What's in your hand? Another story to exemplify this would be the story of David. Y'all know that story, right? David killed Goliath. How many remember that one? You got that one? Goliath, what did he kill him with? What? Not a BB gun. No, what did he kill him with? A slingshot. Now, I've seen the story illustrated many times where David walks out, gets his five smooth stone, puts it in that sling. And y'all, it ain't that little sling. You know what I'm talking about? The little fork one that you made as a kid, the rubber band. It ain't that. The sling was used in warfare. It was used just like a weapon, as a sword. It was used just like a javelin. It was used almost like a sniper where they could sling that thing. And I've seen it illustrated many times. You know, David walks out of the little boy and slings it. And the hand of the Lord just grabs it and puts it right there in between Goliath's head. But I believe that the reason David was able to use that sling because he had practiced what was in his hand. And I know that because the scripture says that those that used the slings in those days could throw the sling and they could hit a target that was the width of a hair. Look it up. Google that when you get home. Y'all, y'all, know, y'all know how thin that is? For some of us, it's getting thinner, right? Little, I'm talking, it's like, sing right in. So good. Some of them were so good, they could go left-handed if they needed to. Whatever they, why? Because they practiced it. Do you remember the story about David who was tending the sheep? And what did he do? He destroyed a lion. He killed a bear. He practiced. He practiced because he never knew when he was going to need that. Be faithful with what God has given you. If you're taking notes, write that down. Be faithful with what God has given you. Hone your craft. Get good at what you do. We want God to use it. How many want God to use what he's given you? But you know what? He wants you to know how to use it first. He don't want you offering something to him that you haven't practiced on. I'm going to write a number one song. Probably not. Because you ain't working on it. you just chunking stuff on a list and trying to send it in. Ain't going to work. I'm going to get that promotion. Yeah, probably not. Because you're not working at, at what you're supposed to be doing right now, where you are. Am I talking to anybody right now? I want that. I want this. Be faithful with what you have. Secondly, be faithful where you are. David was anointed to be king, and yet he was tending sheep. The scripture says that they had to go get him when the prophet showed up to anoint him to be king. There's something about being submitted to the season that God has you in your life. To be faithful, not only with what you have, but to be faithful where you are. We see it all the time in pastoral work that people talk about all the things they want to do and yet won't be faithful with right where they are. And I ask many people, why do, you want to, why, why do you want to be successful? What's your purpose? Why do you want to be successful? Is it for money? Is it for fame? What is it? What, why do you want these things? Why? Because it's not going to be enough because you're going to get that. Way. Well, we got to do a little more and a little, a little more. But if you're just faithful where you are with what you have, then you see God just begin to open doors in your life that you could have never opened your own. That's a little better than that's all right and a little smattering of amen. That was a good word right there. It was slightly awkward. It was like, that's right. 
Like everybody was, t- was that good enough to amen? I don't know. Maybe we'll see if we, okay. Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful where you are. I would also say be faithful with who you have. Oh, no. Be faithful with who you have. Who's God put in your life? One of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest pieces of advice that uh, Chris and I had pastored for, for many years, but we had never planted a church. And I remember a, uh, uh, one of our mentors told us, be careful that you're not overlooking the people that are with you for the people that you think are coming. Because you have this vision of what you, who's going to look like and what y'all going to be doing. And, and you kind of put your hands on the heads of the people that are right there. Who y'all bringing next, you know? I think it's easy to do that in, in neighborhoods, in jobs, in communities, in marriages. That we look in ahead. Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful where you are. And be faithful with who is with you. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 25 and 21, if you are faithful over a few things, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You need a miracle? How many need a miracle? Raise your hand. Need a miracle? What's in your hand? What's in your house? Don't be looking to the heavens. Look in your house. Don't be looking up there. Look right here. What's in your hand? And then commit to be faithful with what you got, where you are, and who's around you. Elisha, the next thing Elisha says, all right, tell me what you have in your house. And she said, I don't have anything except a flask of olive oil. Now, those of you that come from a spirit-filled Pentecostal charismatic background, y'all are tracking with me right now, ain't you? Because, see, we taught all the time, and it's all through the Bible, that the oil represented the Holy Spirit. The oil represents the presence of God. The oil represents the anointing of God upon your life. I heard some of y'all, you didn't say it out loud, but I heard you and I said, all I got is the oil. You said, "Mm mm-hmm, I know where he's going right now. Come bring an organ on stage right here. Yeah, the oil. You know, and I think, I think if we had people stand up here and say, how many of you believe that the Holy Spirit when it comes down to it, the presence of God is really all we have. I think if I put a mic in front of your mouth, every one of us would say, no doubt, the presence of God. If I don't have it, I don't have anything. And yet, we have so many things in our life that it's so easy to forget that one point. We stand here, you put on the spot, yes. Like, like, like a... Moses said, Lord, if you, if you don't go with me, I ain't going. I love that. It's like I tell Kristen, if you ever leave me, I'm packing up and going with you. That's how, that's how it's going to happen. That's just how things are going to be. And Moses said, hey, don't send me somewhere that you're not going to go with me. And I think we would say that. Can I see a head nod, a yes, an amen, right? And yet we got so much stuff in our life, good, bad, and ugly, Just stuff everywhere that it's easy to forget that he is all we have. He's the only, everything else. The Bible says don't put your mind on the things that are are seen. But think about the things that are unseen. Because everything that is seen will pass away. But only him and his presence is going to remain forever and ever. And unfortunately, listen up. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to lose some things to be reminded that he is all we have. And she had lost it all. I mean, it was all gone. Her husband was gone. 
If you're taking notes, you can write down beside that her husband. That would be symbolic of her provision. He was the one that provided, that took care of her. And now it was just gone, out. And some of you have had that happen. I've prayed with several of you this week and the past two weeks that have lost your jobs or your job is shaky. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. Some of you are thinking about making another step and it's, it's scary what you're going to do. Let me say something to you. Don't, you, you got, when you start making whatever that is and you start thinking that is your only provision, that's when you mess up. That's where you get back to what's really real and you say, God, you and you alone are the one who provides for me. Secondly, she didn't have any food. This would be your source. A food is a source of energy. It's, a, it's a, a source of strength. If you or, or I, any of us, are relying on anything or anyone else other than the Holy Spirit to be our source, it is unhealthy. I just got to get that book. I got to go through that. I got, man, if I could just get that person to lay their hands on me, pray for me, do that, that's unhealthy. That's where codependence starts happening, and you become dependent on things, and that's where addictions start taking place. He is our source. She didn't have any money. Because of no money, there were no resources. We ain't got no food. Why? Because we ain't got no money. Because I ain't got no money, I can't buy no food. Anybody ever feel like your resources dry up? I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about encouragement. I'm talking about strength. I'm talking about joy. You ever feel like that? It could be that you and I have been going to the wrong resource instead of saying, God, you are the only one, the only one. And now they're coming to take her kids, her legacy, getting ready to take it away. And she begins to fight. Let me ask you something. What is your hope in? I mean, we talked about it not long ago, that hope never disappoints as long as our hope is in Him and what He brings. But if your hope is in your provision or in your source or in your resources or in your legacy, you're going to be miserable. There's going to be failure in your life. And so sometimes God allows those things to get shaky or even takes those things away so we can be reminded that all we have is the oil. And I'm going to tell you right now, the oil said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's never going to walk away. People can walk away. Pink slips can come. All this stuff can take place. But if you have the oil of God in your life, you can be assured that that is never, ever going to go. Everything else can leave, but he's promised that he'll never leave. And here's what I found, and you can write this down. I got it highlighted in pink in my notes. Pink stands for powerful when I put notes together. I wrote this down. When he is all we have, we find that he is all we need. So when things get shaky, this is where you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. If you need to get this out of my life so I can focus on you being my source and my provision, then so be it. It could be that some of us have lost things so that we can be reminded that he's all we need. I'll tell you right now, as someone who has lost things, it's much better to recognize it on the front end. Now I just pray, Lord, if you can let me keep the stuff, cool, I'll keep it. I'll try to recognize you while I got the stuff, all right? The oil is all we need. And number three... Number one, start with what you have. Number two, the oil is all we need. And the third step to having a mama-like miracle is you need something empty in your life. 
Notice what the prophet said. He said, what do you have? Oh, we got some oil. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your neighbors. Okay, I got it. I go to my neighbors and borrow some oil, right? No, I want you to go to your neighbors and borrow some empty jars. I got empty jars. Who goes to their neighbor and say, don't need the sugar, just the cup that the sugar comes in is what I'd like to borrow from you today. I want you to go and I want you to borrow from your neighbors some emptiness. You know, church teaches us not to be empty. Abundant life, full life. I got so much revelation. I got so much power. I got so much. America teaches us not to be empty. Ever. And yet, what I've found is God looks for empty. How did he start the whole thing? And the earth was void. It was empty. There was nothing there. When God sees emptiness in a situation, I can work here. And that's why the prophet said, go borrow empty vessels because the prophet knew that anything full stops the flow of God. He said, if you want me to perform a miracle in your life, show up with some emptiness. How many of y'all feel like you can have a miracle now because you've got some emptiness in your life? Write it down. Miracles happen in the void. If there's no margins in your life, you're not going to have miracles. There's got to be some void. You, what, and I'm telling you that the problem with us is we don't have enough miracles because we're just full. And God's looking for empty. God cannot do a lot with a full vessel. And we're so full of mess. Come on, aren't we? Full of it. Bitter, envy, stress, things we want to accomplish. We're so full of church. You've heard more sermons than most of the world will hear in the lifetime. You and I, the music we heard today, we're just so full of it, just all in us and all the books that we want. And I wonder why God's not pouring out miracles in our life. It could be we're so full and we don't empty out. We hear it all the time. I need more, more, more. More of what? I just need more of Jesus. Why? There are people around you that have never experienced one ounce of Jesus. And you just got so much. The Bible says out of your bellies. There's supposed to be rivers of living water flowing out of you. What if we changed our mindset and said more, 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 more. We said this. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to get full of this. I'm going to get full of him. And I'm going to spend the rest of my day just, just emptying out everywhere I go. Just joy and love and peace. Yeah, come on with Hey, you wouldn't have to worry about a church being full of people. You wouldn't have to worry about people wanting to be around you if you just emptied yourself out everywhere you went. What can I do? How can I be generous? How can I be giving? We're just full of stuff. We're full of us. Look at your neighbor and say, you're full of it. Tell them, say, you are full of it. Hey, listen to this. How much more would God do in our life if we showed up hungry? Now, tell me y'all are talking to each other. Hold up. I know you enjoyed it. You full of it. <laughs> now, come on, come on. Come on back. Come on back. I've been waiting on that all week to tell her that. Oh, sh- it's Mother's Day. What? Stop. Come back. Look at me. Here we go. Y'all ready? How much more would God do if we just showed up at the table hungry? 
Because you know, a hunger man has no manners. Hunger man doesn't critique how it was presented. How was the presentation? Who cares? I'm hungry. <laughs> hungry people don't leave and go home. Well, that song was, I don't know about that. I don't know about, see, no, hungry. <laughs> hungry people, no. Hungry people are like, come on, bring it on. Whatever you got for me, I want it. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm telling you, God wants us to be empty. He wants us to pour out some of that repentance. Say, Lord, forgive me of my jealousy and forgive me of my ambition. I'm going to lay that out before you and just pour it out before you. And some of it is, man, I've got so much good in me. How many of you know you can get too much of a good thing? i got so much good in me. I mean, it's everywhere. you got apps for it. you got... Download any book you want. And it just, man, it's just, it, technology is just, we can get it. Just be full of it. And yes, we just become full of it. God wants us to empty out. How many empty vessels do you have in your life? When you begin to look around you, begin to think about it. how many empty vessels do I have? How many empty vessels do we bring to church with us on Sunday? How many, how many of your friends are empty? Or do we just hang out with full people? If there's no emptiness in your life, there's no room for a miracle. Because if everything is full, that takes God out of the picture. If the sons would have brought back olive oil in jars, God would have, don't need me here, y'all are all taken care of. But when emptiness shows up, God shows up. I was talking to Casey Millison. Casey is a young, beautiful, smart, talented, single adult in our church literally helps make everything happen here at the hills. We could not do it without her. Just wave at everybody. That's Casey right there. (laughs) Casey felt like God dealing with her to open up her home to be a foster mom. And she did so. And this little sweetheart has came into our life and changed our life. The young lady that's living with her literally changed our life. And I looked at Casey. Chris and I were talking to her yesterday. I said, this is going to be your first mama's day as a foster mom, isn't it? And I said, you know what you did, Casey? You allowed an empty vessel to come into your home. While she could have spent her time doing what she wanted to do, she opened her home for an empty vessel. And because of that, God is performing miracles in her life and in our life because of that. I want to encourage you, get some empty around you. Get some pots that need to be filled. And I watch God begin to do the work. I want you to notice one thing, and I'm going to close. As soon as there were no more empty vessels, the oil stopped. Miraculous outpouring of the oil of God. Pouring. Give me another one. Oh, this oil. Out of one little jar. This kept coming. Houses full of jars. So there was not a problem with the flow, right? The problem was when everything was full. And when it was full, anybody ever been, been, been a part of a ministry, of an organization, of a marriage, of a relationship, that it felt like things were flowing, there was momentum, things were happening, and all of a sudden it just stopped? Raise your hand. You ever been a part of that? I can promise you it's because things got full. When we lose our generosity, when we lose our authenticity, that's when God stops flowing in our life. Three ways that mama teaches us to get a miracle. Start with what you got. Know that he is all you need. And number three, be willing to be empty. How many received that word on Mother's Day today? Do you receive that word today? Come on. Come on. I'm going to pray over you.